listeners, and thanks for tuning in to this Metrosite, episode 36. I'm Beth Schultz, Vice President of Research and Principal Analyst, responsible for our employee experience research. I'm here with my three colleagues, um, Robin Garris. She is our CEO and Principal Analyst, leading our contact center and customer experience research. Erwin Lazar, who is our President and Principal Analyst, leading our workplace collaboration practice. And Diane Myers, Diane is a principal analyst who is overseeing our vendor ranking and Metrocast forecasts across our research areas, starting first with CX, Out Now, and Workplace Collaboration, which is underway. Robin, Erwin, Diane, hello. Hello, Beth. Hey, Beth. Beth. So the four of us were in Orlando last week attending Enterprise Connect, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners were there as well. Uh, we wanted to take a little bit of time today uh, via this Metrosite to share some of our top takeaways. I want to start with generative AI. Now, uh, thanks to OpenAI's ChatGPT announcement back in the fall, the buzz around generative AI has really, you know, really been hot and heavy of late. We started well before Enterprise Connect, um, but I think, you know, a- as expected, um, I think we can all agree that, you know, this continued to be one of the hottest discussion points of the event, you know, across the board, you know, whether you were talking exhibitors or speakers or attendees, everybody wanted to, you know, share their thoughts on what's happening with ChatGPT and generative AI in general. Um, and, and, you know, what does it mean for them? So guys, let's, let's start with, you know, what were some of the more interesting or intriguing things you heard around the use of ChatGPT or generative AI um, in general? Robin, you want to, Get going with with yeah, that pretty answer. Pretty much everything I talked to vendors about when it came to Chat GPT or um, just generative AI was was pretty pretty much similar. I mean, everyone was kind of doing the same thing. You know, it was either around you know content development, classification, summaries of calls, things like that, which are all really good uses of um, of generative AI. But you know, most companies had some sort of announcement, and they all the announcements were fairly similar. Um, there were some that were long before the show, like Cresta. Um, but you had Bring Central, you had Zoom, you had Nice. There were several that had um, generative AI announcements. I, you know, um, I think some might have been a little bit more heavily focused on the analytics piece of it, what can we do with this information, whereas others were pretty basic, like let's do summaries of of calls, things like that. Robin, I'll build on that from what Robin said, right, was a lot about the auto summarizations and the transcriptions. And I think what was interesting to me, especially for um, within the CX realm, right, which was to take the transcription or the summary and have um, GPT kind of just boil it down to two or three sentences, right, and that would then be posted in the CRM. And you can really see how that would be a value, right? You know, you can't have pages of transcriptions, but what are the three key takeaways and using GPT to do that? But also then to create some heat maps about what customers are talking about, right? What and then, yeah. and then rolling that back in onto the product side or to the larger, you know, wow, are we are we getting the same complaints or the same issues and being able to really to identify those in a quicker time, right? Using GPT and some other tools. Yeah, I think that's an awesome point because it ties into a discussion we had uh, with with a client yesterday, which is that idea that, okay, as as GPT becomes prevalent within different applications, and and like Robin mentioned, everyone had a a GPT announcement of of some sort last week, which in itself is really amazing that everybody realized how how valuable the technology can be and rushed to, to get something out to market. But now you have that potential to start to develop a data analysis 
from the data, from the meeting notes, from the, the documents that are being written, the emails that are being sent. So it creates now a challenge for organizations uh, and we'll, we'll talk about security and compliance in, in a minute. Certainly that's an issue, but also that issue of how do I build a collaboration environment that allows me to tap into all of that data? And if I'm a, a, a scenario where I'm using vendor A for calling, vendor B for meetings, vendor C for document collaboration, and they all have their own chat GPT or, or generative AI based on GPT uh, plat uh, capabilities, how do I mine that data and pull it in? And, and so we're not really there yet. And it's causing, I think, organizations to say, maybe I need to go with, uh, you know, with a single provider, single platform so that I can, I can mine and, and gather uh, insights into all of that data versus having it stored uh, among different vendor solutions. Yeah, it was, I do think we, oh, sorry, I was just gonna say, I do think we saw that sort of value coming out in um, Microsoft made its co-pilot announcement. And I mean, that's really about being able to pull in all the data across the Microsoft 365 ecosystem. Um, and you know that that could really give a, a company, I think, a competitive uh, edge if they're living within that environment. Diane, no, 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 no. I, I was, I was you, it's kind of along things. the same realm, not specific to Microsoft, but it's really taking all of that information and, and what can you do with the data exploration and the analytics. And that's really where I think the higher value becomes, right? So it's not just the GPT or the, you know, the, you know, the AI. It's now what can we do on the analytics side with all that data? Well, and exactly. I think that leads us, you know, that kind of leads us into the question about just, you know, how game changing will uh, generative AI be for both on the customer experience and on the workplace collaboration side. And, you know, when is this going to get real? Because so much of this is still a bit theoretical. And, uh, you know, we haven't heard a lot of concrete details in terms of availability, pricing, and so on. I think a lot of it, I think it's already real in a lot of ways. I think companies have been using it for a while, but not really promoting it. It just kind of, you know, mushroomed in the last, you know, couple months as far as getting a lot of mainstream uh, coverage. But um, so I think for those core areas that I talked about, like classification, summarization, content development, I think that that's already here and you do see people using it. Um, what I think is going to be interesting and what will really matter to businesses anyway moving forward is to be able to put like borders around the data collection so that if you put in a prompt, it's not looking at the entire internet, it's looking at your knowledge base. And I think that's sort of really where right. we're the vendors need to go to serve customers now. So if you think about being able to use a generative AI with self-service, you don't want the question that somebody puts in to look everywhere on the internet. You want it to be able to just look in your knowledge base and really come up with some good, like if you're asking about a product in, in, in my knowledge base, I've got 10 different articles um, on a particular product. It would be great for generative AI to, to deliver a response that summarizes all those 10 articles. Then you can drill down from there. But, you know, I did a session at Enterprise Connect on knowledge bases and, uh, you know, self-service knowledge bases. And, you know, probably within about 20 minutes, we were all talking about generative AI. It was a, um, a panel with NICE, Salesforce, and Five9, a great panel, actually. And uh, the audience was very, very much in, engaged. And um, one of the things that one of the panelists said uh, that I thought was really important for Five9 actually was that... Uh, the generative AI or, you know, ChatGPT is trained on language, not on truth. I think we have to keep that in mind, um, you know, as, as we as we use it, that, yes, it's, gonna, it's, it's trained on what, what's the, you know, what's, what's the next logical, you know, words that would be 
said or, or written, um, but though we don't know if those are truthful. And so I think we have to really be careful about that. And that's why I think those borders around the data collection, where you're getting the data become more and more important moving forward, um, as long as your knowledge base is, you know, truthful, and hopefully you have a single source of truth, then what generative AI returns will be truthful as well. But when you get out into the overall public internet, I mean, that, that gets to be hard because we don't know if it's truthful. And Beth, you hit on a good point, which was the pricing. And I think that came up in almost all my conversations around yeah. AI or AI because they, I mean, a lot of these companies are like, look, it's not free, right? I mean, there's still, I mean, they have a lot of development going on. There's still a lot of things going on that, that costs the company, right? Who are offering these things. So everyone said they were still researching and trying to figure out how to price and package a lot of these capabilities. Um, but there will have to be a cost to customers. Yeah, and I think you see that already with, you know, uh, Microsoft Teams Premium as an example, which uh, uses generative AI for capturing meeting notes, that that's an additional license fee. So, yeah, I think you can expect to see that vendors are going to try and monetize this because they have to yeah. you know, until it becomes table stakes and everybody delivers it as part of their offering. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, to your point, Robin, about that single source of truth or being trusted, you know, the data being trusted, there has to be, at least for now, there has to be a human in the Absolutely. in the process, right? You you have to serve up these summarizations, and somebody's got to be yeah, doing and, them. Um, and hopefully, yeah. Oh, I was just saying, and hopefully, it doesn't become, you know, as these get more automated and people get more familiar with them, you know, we hope that they are really paying attention and monitoring for accuracy and truthfulness yeah. and you know phrasing and everything exactly. else. So. At least for the next six months, at the rate of development, I mean, you look at. <laughs> You know, GPT-4 is already out now. Five is probably not far away. The, the, you know, if you read Ray Kurzweil, always talks about the accelerating rate of change. You know, it'll take us 100 years to get to GPT-3. It'll take us six months to get to four and 90 days to get to five. So, um, yeah, it's the, the rate of change is going to be very difficult for organizations to keep up with, I think, going forward. I think, like, the only thing I would also add about GPT, I know we probably talk this to death, is that I, I do get concerned about the use of this in the academic realm. Um, I've already talked to um, people in in college who are already using this and getting A's on all their assignments that they have to write a paper on. Um, now, what happens when the final comes and you have to take a test and you haven't really done much of your work? Um, I, I worry that it's going to stifle creativity um, especially in the, the student population, stifle creativity and and stifle just the ability to think critically and logically because it's so easy just to do these prompts and, you know, you're in a bind and you have to get a paper written. And um, so that there are certainly some concerns. I know I'm getting a little bit off topic to, you know, the tech world, but I, I think it will spill over to just business life in general over the next few years as we see, um, you know, people using it more and more in the educational setting and, and over the long term, what does that do to our brains? What does it do to our ability to think critically, logically, be creative, um, not only in writing, but in painting and poetry, you know, and other in the arts and what, what happens there. Um, so it's kind of, uh, it's, it's, it's kind of good and bad, you know, there's, there's good and bad to the whole generative AI. Yeah. I mean, I think we're, we're in the hype yeah. cycle right now where people are thinking about yeah. all the good things it can do, but you're, you're exactly right. Um, and, you know, the potential for disruption, I saw some demos uh, the last couple of days of GPT-4 writing complex video games. The, the idea that coders sit down and develop code yeah. might be something that will be foreign to us a year from now when GPT-5 yeah. or 6 are out and we can just have it do all of our coding for us. So I think we're not really thinking yet about 
just how disruptive this is. We're already seeing some backlash. There was uh, Italy has has uh, banned the use of GPT in the last few days. There was a letter out last week that uh, got a lot of publicity because Elon Musk was one of the signatories saying, you know, hey, we need to stop uh, AI development for six months and figure out what we're doing. That's obviously not going to happen. Um, but, you know, yeah, maybe the, the, at next year's Enterprise Connect, we'll be thinking about uh, how is this going to uh, again, completely disrupt what we think about from a day-to-day -day, uh, type of, of job, whether it's uh, development, administration, management, and so on. I think GPT will have written all of the uh, the stories uh, before Enterprise Connect, before we get there, of what's what's happening at Enterprise Connect. No, just joking. <laughs> <laughs> it certainly yeah. will have written a lot <laughs> of presentations. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Okay, let's move beyond uh, generative AI. Certainly not the only topic at Enterprise Connect. Um, what else has stood out to you guys in terms of maybe interesting announcements or trends or themes that you heard about? Uh, I, I can go first. For, for me, it was uh, compliance and security. Um, the fact that a company like Theta Lake, who uh, was a relatively newcomer to Enterprise Connect, was one of the co-winners for overall best in show for a compliance solution that uh, helps companies deal with wh uh, virtual whiteboards if they're using the, the mural application. You know, that was something, if you think about the legacy of Enterprise Connect being, you know, voice and UC focused contact center in, in more recent years to, to have a compliance vendor that's focused on virtual whiteboard be one of, of the overall best in show winners, I thought was really interesting. Uh, we did a session Monday morning at 9 a.m., which is usually, you know, kind of a quiet time for the conference, but we had a pretty full room. And, and we were looking at uh, how communication collaboration security is evolving. You know, a lot of the focus for the last you know, 20, 30 years has been around toll fraud uh, and preventing more recently SIP-based attacks. But now it's you've got all this content being generated in your applications, whether it's meeting transcripts or recordings, uh, video that people are creating on their own, um, the use of, of team and messaging applications. And all of that now companies are in reactive mode and trying to figure out, well, how do I secure this? How do I deal with governance and compliance? Uh, here in the U.S., we had uh, last year, Wells Fargo was fined, I think it was $2.2 billion by the SEC because employees were using WhatsApp to engage with customers outside of any compliance controls. So that kind of created a wake-up call where people said, you know what, maybe we need to think about you know, security and compliance in our communication collaboration strategy a little bit more seriously than we were in the past. So to me, that was one of the big takeaways. Yeah, and Erwin, that came up in some of my call, my meetings, because I was meeting with a lot of um, SIP connectivity providers, right? So they're doing direct routing, um, Operator Connect if they're, they're a Microsoft partner, but even into Zoom environments and, and WebEx environments. And it kept coming up, right? Which was, how can you stand out and how can they create some of that at the, um, you know, really at the network level, right? How can they do a better job of, you know, the fraud, the robocalls, and then even the compliance things around, you know, emergency services. And, and it was definitely top of mind in a lot of the meetings I had. I also thought it was, yeah, what about I, I, you? you know, um, I, again, a lot of what I cover in the CX world was, was to our previous discussion about AI, but I thought bandwidth had a really interesting announcement and, and also um, won in the best of show competition. And that was their, their maestro, um, you know, announcement, which was, which was pretty interesting. Um, and I, and I see this as a broader trend, which is, you know, basically being able to uh, put more into a cloud network platform, sort of an independent cloud network platform. And, and they're really focusing on voice communications, but there's other things too, you know, so uh, um, it, it, it almost like, um, decouples some of the functions that you might already put into a UCAS, CCAS, CPAS provider and, and put it independently in the network so that if you're going to switch providers that 
the, the functions that you have, like workflow automations or, um, you know, your SBC, you know, things like that, you can just kind of point to a new provider. And, and I thought that was interesting. I thought that the, the ability to move some of those functions into the network um, helps from a security and compliance standpoint. It helps keep bad traffic off your, you know, out of your contact center, let's say. Um, and, and, and the network can kind of find that and pull it out. Um, so anyway, I thought that that was a really um, interesting announcement. And I think that we're going to see more and more of this this type of like architecture, you know, this 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 type of composability where you're doing more in the in the network in an independent network than you are on all of the different applications, all the different as a service applications that can feed into that network. I think it just gives the enterprise a lot more power and flexibility to do what they want. Now, I, I know from my perspective, I kind of went into the show looking for you know what's happening with employee yeah. experience. Um, and um, certainly we've seen companies like Cisco, Microsoft, um, and encourage people to sort of pull out the behavioral insight data from a team, you know, their team collaboration apps or their meeting environments. Um, led a great session on, on this. Um, um, really some interesting things. And you guys mentioned Theta Lake and uh, Bandwidth winning uh, Best of Show. Viapta won um, best of show for employee experience management and they introduced a new user experience score um, and you know you can use this to do things like um, you know look at meeting patterns against bench and benchmarking um, you know identifying um, time that employees are using uh, losing uh, rather um, due to problems that are avoidable if you just take a look and then of course understanding engagement and inclusivity inclusivity in meetings and, and that's something that as I mentioned Cisco um, and and uh, Microsoft are doing with their collaboration insights products as, as well um, and then also Unisys was on that panel too and and they have this whole idea of employee you know don't don't just look at a service level agreement look at an experience level agreement um, uh, and, and and that's something that um, you know, I wish people, more people would start to take a look at. I'm really encouraging uh, some good uh, optimization around employee experience. Okay, with that said, anything else that you guys, or rather anything that you guys expected to hear about, but didn't? I'll jump I know, in there I, too. I, oh, <laughs> go ahead. Yeah, no, I, I think, uh, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of talk about the overall state of the industry. It's obviously been a rough, you know, six, eight months. Um, almost every vendor who was there that's been around a while has laid people off. Um, the, the growth rates are certainly not what they were, you know, as, as companies were, were moving into hybrid work or remote work, now hybrid work uh, early in the pandemic. Um, so I think that was you know kind of missing, you know, how do we what 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 are, what are the future growth areas? What are the prospects for for turnaround? Um, I think it was you know still like we talked about quite a bit around uh, ChatGPT and even some more of the tactical issues around you know voice connectivity and so on. So I think that that was one where you know I, I don't know if people just don't want to deal with it or uh, you know it just didn't really um, come up in a lot of the discussions we saw or I saw. Yeah, I'll throw in one more. Go ahead, Robin. Yeah, I was just going to say, I, I throw in one more, and that, that, um, that's cloud, cloud migration, at least in this panel that I participated in on Thursday, which was on an, an, a bunch of analysts, and it was on the future of IT. Nobody mentioned cloud, 
Mm -hmm. and the cloud yeah. migration. And in terms of when you're, when you're talking about the future of IT, I, I don't think you can overlook uh, you know, the cloud discussion. There's still a lot of stuff on premises. A lot of companies are still you know, struggling to figure out their strategies for moving everything into the cloud or you know, some stuff into the cloud or everything into, into the cloud. So that was kind of surprising that that sort of definitely took a um, backseat to generative AI, I think, in, in particular. Yeah, but you're right. I would have thought, um, I, I probably would have thought I would have heard a little bit more on workflow automation. I know Five Nine had an announcement about workflow automation, how it's standard in, in their products now, but workflow automation has been such a big issue, um, not even not an issue, but just a, a good benefit of, of in, the, in the CX world. And I thought that we'd see a lot more like really cool things with workflow automation, but I think generative AI just kind of pushed it aside this year in the CX world. Um, that, and to me, um, Analytics is another one. We, we did hear some, you know, some um, discussion about analytics, um, just like customer-facing analytics, for example. I did a session on that, actually. But um, it, was, it was always in, in the context of generative AI. So I just think that there's so much more um, going on and, and happening in analytics and how companies are using customer data to, um, you know, improve their employee experience. So doing things like, uh, improving workforce optimization, workforce management, that type of thing. Zoom had an announcement around that too, around um, just you know partnering with Calabrio for WFM. There's there was some about that, but I thought I would have heard more on that. Okay, any other takeaways that uh, we missed before we sign off, guys? I'd say there was some really interesting uh, startup vendors there that are focusing on, on on recreating the workplace for hybrid and, and remote workers. So we've uh, seen not, who a company was not there with companies like Rome. We saw the the uh, huddles announcement from Zoom. Um, there were a couple I have in my notes here. Uh, companies like um, Bozu, Bozu, uh, Jugo, Jugo that that are are trying to create this place where you go, you, you get to your virtual office in the morning. You can see who's in. You can uh, quickly have an informal chat with them. You can escalate to a meeting. You can sit in a team space. You know, all the kinds of things that, that typically happen when you work within a physical office. So I think that's kind of an interesting area to watch because it's adding yet another element around uh, the collaboration tools that today are very much uh, associated with specific roles or tasks. So I have my team space, I go into my meetings, but this is creating like an overarching, almost virtual workplace. So I think that's, that's an area I'm going to continue to look at over the next uh, six months to a year. You know, I saw an interesting uh, product demo around that idea, but it was audio only and it was from Radisys and they're calling it impromptu. And it's kind of a knock, kind of a huddle, like a Zoom huddles type of feature. Um, but, you know, their point is why video? We're, we have too much going on with video already. Let's just keep these very quick and casual audio conversations. So something something to think about. Yeah, I was surprised that there wasn't as much discussion around APIs. I mean, it wasn't that there was, right? There was still API discussions, but it was not front and center like it had been in years past. Um, but I did, you know, it came up in a lot of my meetings, which all the convergence of UCAS, CCAS, CPAS, right? And, you know, and, that, and we're hearing that in our studies too, right? That companies are looking for maybe not breast or breed anymore, but all-in-one vendor solutions, right? You know, to go for, for efficiency and just ease of use and, and management. Not, 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 you know, not, nothing great and, and future looking, but that was definitely, you know, kept coming up in, you know, multiple conversations I had. It kind of speaks to the point Robin was making about workflow yeah. automation. Yeah. A bit. yeah. 
Okay, well, I want to thank you guys for joining me here today, and I want to thank our listeners. Um, please do look out for more of our insight from Enterprise Connect in Metronotes that we'll be publishing shortly, and watch for our upcoming research uh, for the second quarter. This includes our 2023 Workplace Collaboration Vendor Ratings and Market Forecast from Irwin and Diane, a Robin's Annual CX Transformation Research Study, and my research on employee experience and workplace engagement. And don't forget to visit us on our newly designed website, metrogy.com. Till next time, take care, everybody.